Welcome to the Women Governance Gurus podcast, where we listen to the journeys of women working in the field of corporate governance, their passions, struggles, and commitment to improving how companies and boards function. My name is Courtney Camlet, and my co-host is Liz Dunchy. Hi, everyone. Liz and I are both super passionate about governance and want to spotlight some of the amazing women who share that passion. Hear what has surprised them over their career and various perspectives from different paths and industries. For this episode, we're talking with Lily Brown, partner at Wilmer Hale. Welcome, Lily. Thanks, Courtney and Liz. I really appreciate being included in this podcast. Um, I think it's a great idea, and I'm thrilled to be part of it. And I really think it's so timely, both in terms of substance. I share your passion for governance, so I'm always going to view governance as a timely topic. Um, I also think it's a great informal way to reach each other during these pandemic days when we're all finding new ways to connect as a community. So thank you very much for including me. Well, thank you, Lily. That's a kind sentiment. And I'll just echo Courtney's thoughts in saying that we are thrilled that you're here with us today. So just to start out, could you tell us a little bit about your path to becoming a partner at Wilmer Hale? Sure. Uh, it was pre- perhaps not the typical path. So as I was telling um, a law student during OSDI um, last week, I'm not sure there really is or needs to be a typical path these days. Um, I started out at the SEC in Corp Bend straight out of law school, as Courtney did. Uh, I was from California, and like most Californians, I thought there was no reason to leave California ever. Uh, but then I, t- I took corporations and securities regulation um, in, in law school, and I interviewed with the SEC on campus and decided I needed to be at the SEC in D.C., um, at least temporarily. Uh, at the time, I planned to stay for uh, the three-year commitment period that Corp Finn, um asked for back then. I don't know how it works now. And then return home to California afterward. But interesting things kept happening at the SEC. Great work, great projects. Um, loved the people I worked with. And I just never quite got around to moving back. Uh, so all in, I ended up spending nearly 14 uh, years in Corp Fin, during which time I worked in operations, on filing reviews, on the shareholder proposal task force, in the Office of Mergers and Acquisitions, and ultimately in the front office for um, uh, various division directors over a seven-year period. Um, and there we worked on you know, rulemakings, policy matters, a mishmash of other things that came through the door. That's kind of how that job is. Uh, so when my last director, Meredith Cross, returned to her practice at Wilmer Hale in 2013, um, I worked with her closely in the front office um, and enjoyed that process and really enjoyed working with her. Um, and when she returned, I had the opportunity to come with her, come back with her, um, to and we, you know, to help build a practice together. For her, it was reinvigorating the practice she had left um, when she went to the SEC. For me, it was all new. <laughs> um, and I knew the firm well, you know, from the regulator side of the world, and I was excited about the opportunity to work on the issuer side of, of uh, the regulatory scheme. And, um, you know, it's all the same rules and, and issues, but from a counseling perspective, which has been really fun for me. Um, so that's kind of how it happened. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was rather organic, but I've loved it. I love my path, and I love where I am now. Um, and my practice now is, you know, kind of core disclosure governance and general SEC compliance matters. Um, but governance is truly my great love, and it's an important part of my day-to-day um, these days. So that's my path. <laughs> yes, it's interesting being on both sides, right? Because you've got the great experience from the SEC, and then you have all of these clients now that you're helping craft that disclosure. Right. No, it, and it's fun. And I really enjoy the the interactive part with the clients, so having that, that relationship, because um, you know, you, you have a, a different relationship with issuers, right, when you're when you're at the SEC. But yes, it's been really fun. You know you know how the transition is too. 
but it was it was definitely time to kind of stretch stretch um, and do something new and and kind of introduce a little bit of um, I don't know the, the new a little bit of panic in one's life right mm-hmm. it, it was it was a big switch but it was a good one um, I, I've really enjoyed the last almost eight years. Has there been anything that has surprised you as you've progressed in your career, Lily? Um, I think it's how fast it all moves and how one moment um, or decision can change the entire course of your career and more broadly your life. And I don't mean that in a scary way. I mean that in just kind of an interesting way, right? That's, that's just the reality of it for all of us. Um, in my case, I've always liked order and certainty in my life. Uh, so it was surprising that I would just, for example, up and move across the country to work in Corp Finn after law school. Um, that for those who knew me growing up, that probably would have been a surprising decision. Uh, but it felt like the right opportunity at the time. And um, I'm so grateful to have trusted my gut on that and been maybe a little more spontaneous than than my, um, than my nature would otherwise have dictated. Um, because I, I really love what I do professionally. I know people say that, but I really do. And I have a wonderful network of friends and colleagues from the SEC. And um, though it took some time, I've come around on the concept of winter um, <laughs> and to speak more generally. Uh, it took several years, but I got there. So I guess my surprise takeaway, um, you know, looking back, is that disruption and discomfort can mm-hmm. be an amazing thing, and um, I'm so grateful for it. Yeah, if you can truly embrace that, anybody who can, they'll go far, because I think you've got to be able to pivot all the time. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Even And even if it's for, for many of us, for, for me, it's not – um, natural to me, right? But it's kind of one of those things that it, if you know that great things can happen, if you're willing to be uncomfortable, um, you know, I, I think you can you can do it not because maybe it's your instinct, but because you know you should, and, and great things can happen. So that's 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 been my life lesson so far: that's get out amazing. of my comfort zone. Yeah, well, it's like that quote: "If you're not in over your head, how do you know how tall you are?" Yes. That. <laughs> That's a great um, one. And you've you've certainly shown that you're tall, Lily. Um, <laughs> so, how do you help mentor the rising governance stars at Wilmer Hale? Well, just baseline. I think mentorship is one of the most important things any of us can do. You know, whether you're at a firm, the SEC, in-house, wherever wherever you are. Um, you know, each of us. Uh, I, I know I have. I'm sure you both have too benefited enormously from, you know, those of us who are further along in their careers, taking the time to share their knowledge and just as importantly, kind of nurture our love of our work and watch Mm -hmm. for opportunities for us to stretch ourselves, right? The best mentors, I think I've always known, had my back at the end of the day, but also would tell me, you know, they they, they were honest and direct and would tell me if if there was something I should be doing differently. But at the end of the day, you kind of know that person's in your corner, Um, in a real way. Um, so I, I've had wonderful mentors in my professional life. I'm starting with Marty Dunn, who I know you both know, and um, and most recently Meredith Cross, um, who I work with now regularly uh, at the firm. So I try to kind of emulate them and what I most appreciated um, from them, whether it was at the time or in retrospect. Um, so first you have to kind of see that spark an interest in someone. Um, so so for whatever the area of work is. And um, I'm always so thrilled when I'm working with someone and I realize they love and, and really get the importance of, of good governance. Um, so when I identify those folks, I try to kind of pull them in whenever I can on pro- projects, um, both client work and professional development, business development opportunities. So not just kind of the sitting in your office, 
doing the research, writing the draft, but also thinking about it more broadly and getting out into the community and hearing from others and sharing knowledge. Um, those are all kind of important skills that you need to develop into kind of a complete professional in this space. Um, and then beyond that, um, I think to really thrive in this space, um, you need to understand why it matters. Like in everything else in life, context matters. And I think this is the case whenever um, I'm working with someone, I always try to make sure that we step back and understand why what we're doing matters, what we're trying to achieve, what the um, what the policy um, you know considerations may be. Um, and there are a lot of soft skills and, and gray in this space, a lot of judgment. Um, and it's an ever-evolving space, um, as, as we all know well. So I try to just always kind of take that time to start with context. Who are the key stakeholders? How has that changed over time? What are the various perspectives that are going to, you know, kind of, that you're going to see and that you need to kind of consider? And, and where are there going to be gray areas or areas where you need to really exercise a lot of judgment? Um, and, and also kind of to understand where there's the, you know, absolute versus, versus the gray. So I have a, a great, and Marty was a mentor to so many. I know you guys were especially close. He was a mentor to me as well. And I went to him when I was debating leaving Corp Finn to go work at a law firm. And he told me, don't do it. Don't work for the particular partner I was going to go work for. And I didn't listen to him. And I went and boy, was that a painful experience. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Marty was spot on, and the one thing I came away from the experience with besides starting, you know, law firm life and then subsequently in-house was just a huge backbone that I didn't have because I had to really get stronger on my own. Um, but I really always did appreciate Marty's insights, even if I didn't take it. And and I firmly believe in the mentoring. I mentor people at my company. I still like having mentors, formal and informal. I think you learn so much, and it's so important. Absolutely. And sometimes you can learn as much from what <laughs> the advice you didn't take as the advice you did, right? <laughs> it all comes in. Exactly. So as the focus on diversity and sustainability increases, how are you advising your clients differently? I guess I would say the biggest changes are around the importance and focus on engagement, communication with your stakeholders, and I realize that's part of engagement, but I feel like I really need to call it out specifically because so much of this, you know, it's not just doing, right? It's also communicating what you're doing. Um, and also, I think, um, kind of at base, how we think about materiality, Um and I, I know that these are all terms that get used a lot these days, engagement in particular. But, um, you know, I think there's a good reason for that, right? Um, public companies and those of us who advise them have had to shift our focus, right, to a broader universe of issues and stakeholders uh, to be engaging, you know, on and with. Um, you know, obviously, shareholders still invest in public companies to, to make money, to put aside, you know, a nest egg, but there's also a growing expectation among many um, investors, including the largest institutions, that companies will be able to make money while also being good stewards of the environment and leaders in advancing social justice. Uh, and there's a growing acknowledgement uh, that, that there's enterprise risk that can be associated with not doing these things. So in counseling clients, um, you know, we're, we're still, of course, focused on compliance with the specific regulatory requirements um, and you know, as, as we all know, we, we may be seeing more of those in the, in the ESG space in the coming year plus. Um, 
but also beyond just the regulatory requirements, a lot more focused on kind of evolving best practices and governance and how best to convey the things that the company is doing, uh, you know, including in the ESG space. So I think it's just, it is, it's around kind of engagement communication. So the importance of thinking about your proxy statement as a way to tell your story, um, on, on compensation, uh, commitment to diversity, commitment to sustainable practices to increase diversity across your workforce or otherwise. Um, uh, so, and when I say telling your story, I don't mean that in at all a pejorative way. It's, it's transparency, right? It's sharing what you're doing and your commitment. Um, and then also just more direct engagement, right? Talking to your shareholder proponents about what they're really looking for when they submit a shareholder proposal um, before you immediately seek to exclude or maybe simultaneously with, you know, there, there are still times when a proposal isn't going to be um, something that makes sense for the company to be running. But there's also just a lot more uh, back and forth and communication uh, that I think is just just kind of our reality now and and, and a good thing. Um, and just bigger picture, just kind of remembering our audience is not just regulators and the most sophisticated traditional market participants uh, to the extent it ever was. It definitely isn't now. Um, so I, I admit I've always had a very traditional perspective on materiality around disclosure, um, but it is important, you know, and, and, and I'm talking to clients about how concepts of what's material are, are evolving. That that's it's been a big change. I think I think it's it's um, it's been a big change for for many of us who are, are traditionalists in this space. But but an important one, and and um, and we're going to just continue to see to see more and more of it. Yeah. Um, do you think on that note that for I'm kind of a step removed from everything um, now that I'm not counseling clients directly, but it seems like um, the companies are getting more receptive and even more proactive in taking that broader view um, with this emphasis on stakeholder governance and all of that. And so have you found that to be the case in the last year or so um, since the business roundtable came out with that position? So it's, I mean, as it's so Big picture, I would say that this is something that, um, particularly at the largest companies, folks are thinking about and moving in that direction for sure. I mean, there's going to be, as with kind of any um, governance change, often it will start with the largest companies, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the ones who are going to, you know, have the most attention from institutional investors, whether and and also from shareholder proponents, and so. As with many of the changes we've seen, you know, we saw it with majority voting. We saw it with proxy access. It starts with the largest companies and then moves throughout um, the universe. So it's going to be very company by company specific, but it's certainly not something where I ever come on to a call or into a meeting where it's kind of news to anyone, right? It's, it's, it's just, it's degrees of interest and willingness to really be the first or in the first pack, or are we going to kind of, um, you know, kind of see how this evolves and, um, you know, an industry size, you know, culture, all of this are going to come into play with it. But I think that across the board, um, you know, public companies, you know, the, the folks that, that do this kind of um, work and engagement at, in public companies all know that this is here and it's coming and it's going to be a matter uh, and maybe it's not coming, it's here yeah. <laughs> and more is coming. Um, and so it's really a matter of how um, quickly to expand disclosures, where to put them. You know, we, we saw 
um, and, and still in most, most cases, you know, kind of the sustainability reports several years ago, right? And those were in one place and there'd be maybe a spot on the website and, and, you know, kind of each year, maybe you get more and more coming into the front of the proxy or, and, you know, so see the, the kind of the movement. Um, so I, you know, it's, it's definitely changed the practice. I, I've yet to encounter, um, you know, a, a discuss, or come into a discussion with someone who, who wasn't thinking about it and just the comfort level about how fast to move mm-hmm. um, is going to be where you see the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a huge part of my, you know, counseling, you know, what, what I do day to day. Um, and, and I think that's going to continue. But I, I mean, just looking even five years ago at the types of disclosures one sees in proxies and otherwise, and the, the level of discourse in this space, uh, it's, it's everything. Um, so, so I, it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch over the, um, you know, the next year plus. And, and as I alluded to earlier, you do have, um, with the changing SEC, um, you know, plenty of public statements about commitment to, um, moving to more specific disclosures in the ESG space, um, including around climate. We already saw the um, addition of the human capital um, management disclosures, um, and I think we're going to see more of that. So um, we're at a point now where if you're if you're at a public company and <laughs> Courtney can can speak to this, I mean it's coming. It's 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 you know you have different buckets of of stakeholders and folks. You know, it's regulators, it's shareholders, it's um, it's employees, it's, it's customers, it's, yeah. so, um, it's the flyers. Yeah. yeah. It's a whole yeah. host of mm-hmm. hitting you from every side. Yep. Absolutely. Courtney's like, I can speak to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's kind of what I expected, but that's good information. So what specifically do you think that women in the corporate governance field can add to the current conversation on the societal role of companies, especially as that continues to evolve? That's such a big question. Um, (laughs) I'll punch on it a little bit. I mean, I think we need to bring it all, right? Our talents, our life experience, our get-it-done approach. Um, And I'm in no way saying that these are not attributes of of our male colleagues as well. Understood. Creativity. We aren't aren't Um, intending to imply that by our question either, just to be clear. (laughs) No, no. But I mean, I I think think there's a a ton that we bring, right? And, And, you know, kind of our understanding of how our different paths inform our perspective. Um, and, you know, we as women need to continue to speak up, put ourselves in the middle of hard discussions, um, coming back to apparently my theme for the day, although I didn't, I didn't realize it going in that, you know, being willing to be uncomfortable and, you know, kind of being good allies and mentors for each other and advocates for issues that matter to our clients and, and kind of the broader community. Um, I think we have a ton to bring and we need to keep doing that. Love it. Thanks, Lily. Thank you. Thanks to everyone for joining us today for this episode of Women Governance Gurus. Thanks to Lily for being here to talk with us. Um, Please subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you use, and we would love if you would rate us while you're there, too. Thanks so much.